Welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind. My name is Robert Lamb. And I'm Julie Douglas. Julie, you're familiar with the seven deadly sins, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Gluttony. Yeah. I'm all over that. Well, there, well, there's more than just gluttony. Yeah, that's yeah. true. There's, there's lust, there's gluttony, there's greed, there's sloth, there's wrath, there's envy, and then the, the, the queen of the, uh, the seven deadly sins, pride. The queen, so-called by Pope St. Gregory, right? Yeah, who largely popularized this uh, this list of seven deadly sins, drawing on older traditions. Uh, I mean, you look back to, like, the book of Proverbs. Uh, you have King Solomon dealing with, like, seven deadlies in a sense. Uh, so uh, there's an older tradition there. But Gregory's really the, the popular, really popularized uh, these, yeah. uh, these seven deadly sins. So we're thinking, hey, let's examine these. We're all into talking about where science meets human experience. Philosophy and science kind of duke it out, what's going on, you know, on with, with various uh, parts of the human experience. So uh, let's, uh, we've decided we're going to tackle each of these seven deadly sins. Yeah. And uh, just in case we get slothful and don't finish, we figured let's, <laughs> let's start with the big one. Let's go ahead and tackle the, the, the mother of, of sins, pride. Which I have to say, I was a little bit surprised that this is considered the mother Pride. I mean, that doesn't, you know. Pride cometh before the fall, though, right? It's the. Uh, I mean, I, I instantly think back to uh, to to the Divine Comedy, uh, Dante's Inferno, mm-hmm. and all. And uh, it, it's interesting. There's a, you know, you have all these these various circles and uh, bulges in um, in in Dante's Hell mm-hmm. uh, that that dish out various punishments. So there's like, you know, like the lustful are punished in one way and then there are heretics in another and, and it goes all the way down to where at the very bottom you have, uh, Satan himself and various betrayers and deceivers uh, mm-hmm. frozen in this lake. So, uh, but, but it's, what's interesting is that there's not really a particular circle in hell that's devoted to the prideful. Because there's there's a lot of pride going on in hell. You you encounter uh, prideful individuals at various uh, levels. For instance, there's Farinata. Uh, it's a pretty proud heretic that you encounter. There's a thief by the name of Vanni Fusi. There's this really awesome part where he is essentially so prideful. Uh, he he's in hell and he's basically giving God the finger, but it's not the finger. It's this Italian thing called the figs. Where, uh, oh, the figos. Oh, you is this a, this a modern thing too? Uh, there's uh, there's just a. Italian term that I know that's uh, okay. not very nice. Well, it's where you uh, you take your thumb mm-hmm. and you, you make a fist and then stick your thumb up mm-hmm. through your middle and the index finger, mm-hmm. and then you kind of and, and then with the with your knuckles facing out, you kind of like shake your fist, and then ideally you do this uh, on both hands, uh, like uh, like like our friend uh, the thief in Dante's Inferno, and he shakes them to heaven. We're like doing this, this right yeah. now. Yeah. So. Um, I, I'm always mindful of that there's, there's actually apparently in um, in 1228 uh, the citizens of Pistoria um, fixed uh, two of these figs on uh, on the, this marble tower uh, and aimed them at Florence. So you had like whole buildings making figs at, at other cities. It's pretty amazing. I, if uh, if memory serves right, I believe the figs have a phallic. Um, yes, it's a very symbol. phallic yeah. thing. It's mm-hmm. you know masculine, female. You know, mm-hmm. you, you know, you don't really have to use your imagination all that much uh, to see. Right. What if it's you're looking at. down, if you've done this and you're looking down at your hands right now, you're going to be like, oh, that's a little creepy looking. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so you, you have various prideful individuals, and pride is a part of all these other sins in, in Dante's hell. Though, if you travel up to the Mount of Purgatory, 
uh, which is the, the focus of the second volume in the Divine Comedy. In Purgatory, you have the Mount of Purgatory, which is this mountain that uh, connects earth to heaven. And if you are not, you're not bad enough, say, to wind up in hell, but you still have some work to do. You still got some, uh, some rough corners mm-hmm. to, to buff out before you can actually walk through the pearly gates, then you need to go through purgatory. And purgatory is this mountain with these various terraces. And on each terrace, if you start out at the bottom, you have seven P's uh, on your forehead, these seven marks. Okay. And as you travel through each terrace, you work off one of these marks until you're, you're pure enough to actually enter the earthly paradise and ascend. So the, the first level that you have to go through on the Mount of Purgatory deals with pride. And so you have, a, you have individuals walking around on this terrace uh, carrying heavy rocks in their backs. So the weight's forcing them to walk slowly. Their bodies are bent low to the ground. So that is probably the most direct way that pride itself is dealt with in the Divine Comedy, though it, it, it pops up time and time again as, uh, as part and parcel to other major sins. Like, I mean, Satan himself, the great deceiver, the great sinner, uh, you know, it, it's uh, his fall is all about pride. Well, yeah, and from what I read to you about Leviathan, the snake is the spirit of pride, right? And right. actually is masquerading as the Holy Ghost and may enter someone and displace, this is my interpretation, God is the center, right? So you're replacing mm-hmm. God with yourself as the center. And right. So perhaps this is why it's the queen of all sins. And, and certainly outside of the uh, the Christian tradition, you see pride show up as a major downfall to, uh, in human nature. Uh, for instance, the, the, the Wheel of Life in Tibetan Buddhism, the uh, Wheel of Sansara, you see uh, these various uh, realms in which a human may become reincarnated, the various mm-hmm. states of being. So there's like an animal realm, there's a human realm, there's uh, there there are hell realms, and then there are these these upper realms uh, of existence, including the deva realm, and this is like the the realm of the gods, where these mighty beings uh, do their thing, but they're so consumed by ego and they're so blind to the suffering of others that uh, even though they're long lived. When they die, they're often reincarnated into the lower realms, into, say, the, the hell realms, because uh, their lives ended up having such nasty results hmm. and were so uh, karmatically awful. So, uh, Just for being a little bit puffed up. Well, they, they were more than a little <laughs> bit puffed up. They, were, they had godlike pride, and that was their, their fall. And then, of course, the other thing is that Tibetan Buddhism especially, it's all about finding that balance, that equanimity. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the human realm is the this this desired uh, realm because this is the realm from which you can actually achieve liberation and rise above all the other realms and rise above the cycle of endless rebirth and death where uh, the individual is spiraling through all these different cycles of, of outrageous pride and outrageous despair and outrageous violence and just pure like animal existence eventually rises above all that in, hmm. in, through liberation and the, the, the noble eightfold path. All right. So that's the way that you would uh, achieve this, right? Right. Okay. Um, and that's the philosophical side. But let's look at the science side of pride. Because yes. it turns out there is a scientific part uh, when you're talking about pride in the human being. So it turns out that pride is actually an adaptive virtue. Um, and this is from Discover Magazine's article, I Didn't Sin, It, it Was My Brain. Um, they say that most of us perceive ourselves as slightly smarter, smarter, funnier, more talented, and better looking than average. These rose-colored glasses are apparently important to mental health, the psychological immune system that protects us from despair. This is from uh, Julian Paul Keenan, and he's the director of Cognitive Neuroimaging laboratory and professor of psychology at Montclair State University in New Jersey. And um, 
so apparently this is something that we need as social animals mm-hmm. in order to bolster ourselves. And they actually have found that we start uh, expressing pride as early as two and a half years old. Oh, wow. And by age four, able to recognize it. So which sort of points to something being hardwired in ourselves to, to, to be able to negotiate the, the social contract that we all um, entered into. Yeah, I mean, because and that's the thing about pride. It's it's you you need to have pride in what you do. Like nobody wants to be around somebody who who doesn't believe in their own ability. Like no, like nobody wants to hire somebody who who isn't going to say, "Yeah, I'm great at what I do, and you should hire me." I mean, that's just well, right. And we'll talk about that. We'll talk about how it's the in terms of groupthink, people are looking. Uh, really as pride as a marker in someone. Mm-hmm. And not only that, humility isn't always what it's cracked up to be. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, but I did want to point out that there seems to be some sort of universality when it comes to pride. Um, it, it looks like this. It's a slight smile, a head oh, tilt, yes. mm-hmm. uh, with hands on the hips or, or uh, your hands raised high. And Dr. Tracy and David Matsumoto, a psychologist at San Francisco State, analyzed spontaneous responses to winning or losing a judo match during the 2004 Olympic and Paralympic Games, and they found that expressions of pride after a victory were similar for athletes from 37 nations, uh, including for 53 blind competitors, many of them who were blind from birth. So the idea is that this isn't just a simple act of imitation. In other words, we, we see one another do it. It's not learned behavior. It's it's actually something that's emerging. Yeah. It's a physical cue. Exactly. Yeah. There's something going on in our brains that is uh, pulling the puppet strings of expression for pride. All right. Well, we're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to get back to all of this. Uh, so hang in there. One second. And we're back. Obviously, there are two sort of branches of pride. There's the sort of authentic pride uh, where, yeah, you want to be prideful about stuff that you're good at. You want to believe in yourself. You want to have uh, enough optimism to carry out your your daily life. Mm-hmm. But then there's this realm of hubris where you're just vain and prideful to an, an annoying or just destructive extent. Yeah, that's more in the category of narcissism. Yeah. And someone who's very arrogant. It's kind of like jerk, uh, jerk pride, I guess you could say. Yeah, very much like this sinful, like, I'm Satan, I'm great, uh, kind of pride or the, or the day of a pride, you know, where the, where you have these beings that are just enormously powerful and just do not care uh, about the suffering going on around them. Yeah, right. So, I mean, that's that's the problem with pride, right? Right. I mean, the, there's, there's the pride that empowers versus the pride that blinds. Exactly. The pride that wounds. Yeah. And let's talk about some of the psychology of that pride in society. Um, there was a study on uh, 62 undergraduates who took tests that were supposedly measuring their spatial IQ. Mm-hmm. And really, the patterns that were flashed before them were going way too fast that they couldn't actually... Um, perform on this test. That wasn't the point. The point is that afterwards, the researchers took all of them aside, or some of them not, and gave them feedback on how they did. Mm -hmm. And so they gave them, they either didn't give them any feedback at all, or they said, uh, with little or no expression, you did very well, or they completely gushed and said, you did great. (laughs) Um, And of course, again, this they took this test and it was um, it wasn't really about the results of it because they couldn't really finish it, but they didn't know that uh, the participants then sat down in a group to solve similar puzzles so that researchers could assess their behavior based on the feedback that they had given them, and they found that the puffed up, prideful students were perceived as being both more dominant 
and more likable than those who didn't get a seal of approval from the researchers. And they were really surprised about that because they thought that the the other um, students would be considered boastful or um, just arrogant. Mm. They didn't realize that this was a big social component that those people were actually uh, looked up to. Yeah, because and, they had pride, and it also there's something to say here too about the the power of positive reinforcement. You know, like, mm-hmm. like build up uh, certainly the people that work for you and the, the people around you. You know, because that puts them in a uh, a better position to excel. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah that's sort the truth. of a, sort of a sidebar on that experiment. So that's psychology of pride in society, but let's talk about psychology of pride in your own self. Yes, in the individual, and this is where the research of uh, Julian Paul Keenan is particularly interesting. Yeah. Um, He's the director of Cognitive uh, Neuroimaging Laboratory and professor of psychology at uh, Montclair State University in New Jersey, New Jersey. Uh, and and uh, as his title implies, he's done a lot of work uh, peering inside the brain and seeing what's actually happening uh, in moments of, of pride. Yeah, he did. He got into, uh, into people's brains because what he started to realize is that, and this is a quote for him, those who see themselves as they truly are, not so funny, a bad driver, overweight, have a greater chance of being diagnosed with clinical depression. Mm-hmm. So he wanted to take this premise of people who are a little bit more self-aware and see what was going on in their brains. Right, and he found that it actually there's actually less mental energy typically involved in puffing ourselves up mm-hmm. than tearing ourselves down. Even though they're 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 very similar uh, on a neurological level, like they're uh, both actions are, are tied to to more or less the same region of the brain. Mm-hmm. In particular, uh, Keenan was interested in the MPFC. And this is brain terrain just uh, behind the forehead, and this is what helps shape awareness of self, right? Right. And he used a magnetic field called transcranial magnetic stimulation, uh, TMS. We've actually talked about this before. Mm -hmm. uh, Applied to the scalp of volunteers, and it temporarily scrambled the signals in this area um, of the brain. Selectively shutting off this region of the brain, which... uh, uh, I neglected to say what MPFC stands for. It is the uh, medial prefrontal cortex. Right. Yes. Yeah. So uh, he he has this means to briefly shut off the MPFC in his volunteers, uh, switches them off, and, and then he watches as the the normal everyday arrogance melts away from these individuals. And apparently, is not a pretty sight. No, no. They they see themselves as they really are without glossing over negative characteristics. Um, so, and, and I think it's fascinating that, that the whole TMS, transcranial magnetic stimulation, that you can sit there with a magnet and actually manipulate that part of the brain. It's mm-hmm. just, on a side note, very creepy to me. Um, but there was a study by Haidehiko Tahikishi of the National Institute of Radiological Sciences in Japan, and researchers asked volunteers to imagine themselves winning a prize or trouncing an opponent while their brains were being scanned. And they showed less activation in brain regions associated with introspection and self-conscious thought than people induced to feel negative emotions like shame or embarrassment. So the conclusion is that, um, as you had stated before, we accept positive feedback about ourselves readily. Right? There's less energy. We just go, oh, okay, and we accept that, mm-hmm. um, rather than compared with something like guilt or embarrassment. Um, which the brain really tends to go over a little bit more. Another uh, thing to come out of Keenan's work that I thought was interesting was that he pointed out that self-deprecation and uh, self-deceptive pride, yeah. they're both located in the same region of the brain, like it's, uh, and they both serve the same purpose, and that is to advance in society, mm-hmm. which makes you know makes sense. One person may say, uh, 
they're being really self-deprecating because they're they're sort of fishing for uh, for boost me ups. They're they're they're, yeah. they're looking for yeah. sympathy or like, oh no, you did fine. You're really not not that bad at uh, this thing that you you know you're you're harping about. Uh, versus the person who is. Uh, who is just unrealistically pumping themselves up because they're they're trying to make others believe in this boastful reality that they're putting forth. Yeah, I thought it was really interesting in the this unctuous ingratiating behavior, this this humility is masquerading. Yeah. Really. Like it's the difference like if one person was saying like, Man, I am so beautiful and people were like, Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, you, you are beautiful. You keep talking about it. I'm buying into it now. And then the other person is saying, Oh man, I'm so not beautiful and then people are like, Oh no, you are beautiful. Like it's similar results of like in terms of other people's what other people are saying and or thinking about you. Or I'm not as beautiful as you are. And you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. ingratiating yourself in that way, which is really interesting. And it's really, I, I find that fascinating that using the same um, TMS, he was able to detect that. And effectively study something that for the longest was, was, was really not studied all that much because it was sort of considered in the same way that there's not uh, a particular region in Dante's Inferno. There's not a particular circle that's just devoted to pride. It was just thought that it was too elusive, that it was just too, it was too everywhere and nowhere to really succinctly study. Well, it's not as, you know, sexy as anger or fear. Yeah. People, right. They didn't think that there was much to it. But in fact, it's really, uh, part and parcel of the way that we interact with one another mm-hmm. and the way that we're perceived. And I do, I do really find it very interesting that, um, you can see this taking place in the brain. You know, when he is, um, when Keenan is manipulating that one area about self-awareness mm-hmm. and how all of that just melts away yeah. and someone can see themselves for, for who they are, which, you know, we've brought this up before, but like, wow, I mean, that, that makes me think about how, again, how much we construct our own reality mm-hmm. and how much of our brains really inform who we are, our personalities. So the science kind of falls in line with some of what we kind of already knew about pride uh, in that there's... There's both a, a a light and a dark side to pride. There is a there's a balanced level of pride that allows us to uh, to to go about our daily lives and our professional lives and our personal lives in a reasonable manner. And then there's a uh, cases where there's there's not enough pride, uh, where one mm-hmm. is more prone to depression. And uh, and then there's a there's overwhelming pride. There's just pure hubris where uh, the individual is just violently strutting forth like a, a peacock uh, through life. <laughs> Like a peacock in a uh, china shop. Yeah. Yeah. And I really like this, this idea of it being therapeutic, too, though. Yeah. Sort of a, you know, fake it till you make it thing. Yeah. I mean, and, and to think back, uh, you know, too, on these these examples, like you see writings of, uh, you know, individuals like uh, St. Benedict, who compares uh, pride and humility to Jacob's ladder, this dream vision of this ladder that allows one to reach heaven and God, and the idea that... Um, any like any kind of pride is a step down the ladder of the ladder and then a humility a step of humility is a step up the ladder but then you have you know you've had other people point out that pride is really kind of a it's almost kind of like a safety feature uh with other sins like if you were enjoying food and it and it might it seem to be uh, uh that you're going down the road to gluttony well then pride should should cut in at some point and stop you and be like whoa I should as, as great as this food is I also I'm kind of prideful about how I look, so I should maybe hold off so that I don't ruin that with excessive burger eating. I see a, a book in here, like How to Make the Seven Sins Work for You well, by pe- Robert Lamb. Well, no, well, those books already exist, but they're, <laughs> uh, one is called The Satanic Bible uh, by Anton LaVey. But, uh, because then the, cause the whole thing, I read it in like in high school. 
But like a lot of that is like him, Anton LaVey arguing. It's like all these seven deadly sins, they're really seven deadly virtues because they're all great and blah, blah, blah. And that's the thing. There's certainly an argument to be made for any of these sins. Like at what point is it, is it really something that hurts us? And at what point is it just a part of who we are? And is it more hurtful to ignore it? Um, which is, I, I, that's going to be a topic that's going to continue to come up as we examine each of these uh, so-called sins uh, from the standpoint of science. That's right. Yeah, and psychology and, and all that. Next up, envy. Is it? Next up is envy? I believe it is. Okay. That's the second one. Cool. Yeah. All right. Well, until, not to boast. Not to boast. <laughs> well, uh, tell us what you think. What do you think about pride? How it factors into your daily life? And how it factors into uh, the various competing worldviews in the world around around us. Do you do you agree with Saint Benedict? Do you agree with Anton Lavey? Let us know. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook. On Facebook, we are Stuff to Blow Your Mind, and on Twitter, we are Below the Mind. And you can also drop us a note at BlowTheMind at Discovery dot com. Be sure to check out our new video podcast, Stuff from the Future. Join House of Work staff as we explore the most promising and perplexing possibilities of tomorrow.